you know, we, we as teachers tend to want to sort of stick and teach to the way that we were taught. Why? Because it's comfortable, it's safe. But, you know, that's unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, not, not the world that our students are coming into. Hey, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the White Book Podcast, a weekly podcast powered by White Book, the creators of whiteboard notebooks and flip charts to transform problem solving. Each week, we invite educators like you to share their experience transforming their classrooms. In this episode, you'll learn why it's more important than ever to have a student-centric classroom, what is the school within a school model, and how to measure success when you're using a new teaching model. In today's episode, I'm joined by Jeff Christian, who is an intermediate school teacher in the Thames Valley District School Board. Welcome, Jeff. Morning, Felix. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell us more about you. How did you get into teaching? Well, I don't I don't think I ever really wanted to be a teacher at mm-hmm. first. I think I was like every other, you know, young person wanted something to do, uh, you know, with firefighting or policing or something. But uh, the more I had an opportunity to work with kids, the more I recognized that uh, that would make it more enjoyable for me to go to school every day rather than just, you know, going and doing a job. I would feel like I was doing something worthwhile and I haven't regretted that decision for a moment. Amazing. So once you decided that that you, you had this realization, this is what you want to do with your life, what were the steps you took there? What kind of education? What was the process for you to get you into your very first teaching job? Well, I finished my undergraduate degree at Western um, and then went off and did some other things uh, in the work world like most people tend to do. Um, But then after making a decision that education is where I wanted to go, I actually quit my job, went back to school and uh, then began the the long and arduous process of trying to find a job back at that time. And I was lucky enough to get hired uh, down at a school in Port Stanley, Ontario, uh, for my first teaching gig. And uh, boy, I remember it was quite quite an exciting, monumental time to know that exactly I was uh, going to be sort of fulfilling the dream that I had set out. Mm-hmm. So when you were first uh, getting started in your, your first couple years, first job as a teacher, what was that like? Tell us about that experience. What, what, what surprised you? What did you expect? What was that like? It was a combination of feelings, right? Like, so I was extremely excited, but I was really nervous. Uh, You went from sort of being responsible for yourself on the assembly line and responsible for your part. Uh, I remember the first day um, at the end of the school day, sort of sitting there thinking, now I'm, you know, I'm responsible for these 30 some odd students that are going to be sitting in front of me every day. I'm determining what their day is going to be like. I'm determining you know, how they're going to see school. I'm determining how they're going to feel about themselves. So it was really overwhelming, but also very empowering at the same time where I kind of felt like I was go- I was doing something that was benefiting more people. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a combination of being uh, scared witless, but also excited. Mm, yeah, that, that makes sense. Now that you have more years under your belt, what kind of advice would you go back and give yourself if you were to able to speak to yourself as a, you know, first year teacher? Uh, not to be so hard on myself, um, not to re- not to expect perfection out of myself, just like I don't expect it out of my students. Um, but I'd probably also let myself know that there are other things out there and not to be afraid to sort of explore education um, and explore the way that teaching is done. Uh, you know, we, we as teachers tend to want to sort of stick and teach to the way that we were taught. Why? Because it's comfortable, it's safe. But you know, that's unfortunately or fortunately, I guess, not not the world that our students are coming into. So we really need to be receptive, responsive and ability to adapt uh, the way that we teach in order to sort of you know, teach uh, to a new environment, a new world that these kids are coming into. So I guess in all like the advice I give to myself was uh, don't be afraid. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, take those chances, be brave. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to fall on your face because, uh, you know, it's a great learning experience. Right. So speaking of doing things differently, tell us a little more about the model that you have decided to, to take into your classroom. Yeah, so I would say about three years ago, my teaching partner and I have, were having conversations about uh, education and where we were seeing it going. We really recognized that we needed to be more responsive to the world that our students were going into. And the traditional sort of uh, model that we had been using uh, and that we uh, had been taught with just didn't seem like it was going to fit with the realities of what the students were going to have to be experiencing when they left us. So um, we moved towards more of a student-centered learning-focused classroom. Uh, So rather than the traditional one lesson fits all, rather than the the, the dominated um, idea that there's a lot of independent work, we moved more towards uh, the idea that students were going to be partners in their learning uh, rather than just vessels that we would sort of dispense our knowledge into. Um, and so we we activated the students a little bit more. Uh, we collaborated a little bit more as educators uh, to sort of give more opportunities and viewpoints for not only ourselves, but our students. And um, we've moved sort of towards more broader based projects uh, that allow the students to see how the things that they're learning will interconnect with, you know, with different larger big projects as opposed to a singular event. Mm-hmm. What is different about the world today that, that, that you are able to recognize uh, when you're looking into the future of education that makes a student-centric classroom important, that makes you know, this kind of partnership with the student in their, in their education the, 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 the right step to take? And why is it so important today? Like, what, did you, what did you see about the world? Well, I think the biggest thing that we noticed was that, um, you know, I think gone are the days where people will get into one career and stay in that one career for life. Uh, The majority of people are going to need to be flexible. They're going to need to be able to, you know, call on a variety of different skill sets in order to adapt uh, to a changing workplace, to a changing world, to a changing environment and viewpoints. And so uh, being able to allow those students to be flexible and see um, you know, how communication skills, how creativity, how collaboration, um, you know, how um, all those different aspects are going to, com- uh, you know, contribute to being a more well-rounded individual. I think that was really the impetus for us to sort of, you know, kickstarting something new. Mm-hmm. Now, now, can you talk about how this that this plays out in the classroom? Like what is at the core what is it, the foundation of a typical day? Like what are some certain things that you want to make sure that are implemented uh, when a student walks into your classroom? In my classroom, some of the major components are going to be opportunities each day where there's collaboration mm-hmm. amongst a lot of, uh, not only uh, the, you know, a variety of students in the classroom, but also collaboration amongst a variety of different educators, both with inside the school and outside the school to see that their learning doesn't just take place inside the walls of my classroom, but rather learning is something that should be an ongoing thing, uh, you know, that activates lots of different areas. So mm-hmm. and this is new for, for your students, right? You, this is probably the first time or one of the first times they're experiencing this, this kind of this model that you're introducing. So how do you introduce it to them and get their buy in? Because it, it probably is a different approach for, for many of your students. Is that right? It is. It's a different approach. And I'll be honest, like the the approach towards this sort of teaching and learning um, tends to impact sort of what you would consider uh, to be the higher achieving students most most specifically. 
uh, you know, those students that traditionally do well in school have kind of figured out the game of school mm-hmm. or they think they'd figured out the game of school. And so those were the students that traditionally, the traditional model works for them. Um, and, uh, and they like it because it's predictable. They also like it because, you know, the system has allowed them to be successful. And so the biggest pushback I often, I found um, is from those students. Those students who like to do things by themselves, they would rather have a worksheet or they'd rather have a textbook where they can sit and do the work and they're responsible just for themselves. Uh, the biggest pushback often comes from them with the idea that, um, you know, in, in the in the model of teaching and learning that we're often doing, it, it's not so straightforward. It's not such a straightforward path from beginning to end. And the students themselves have to sort of be responsible for <clears throat> answering questions, being creative and flexible along the way. Um, and so there has been some pushback initially from some of those students. <clears throat> but what I do find is that ultimately, once they get into the teaching and learning format, they recognize that by learning in a, in a sort of a student-centered knowledge, I guess, inquiry-driven classroom, um, their world opens up. And those, are, those students ultimately still find themselves being able to excel, but they also find themselves being able to have more control over their learning, which ultimately makes them happier in the classroom. Mm. You mentioned earlier about more collaboration, I think, between educators and also for the students to be able to collaborate more with different um, teachers, different role models, even outside of the school. What, what opportunities have you seen here? Like, what are some examples in maybe your recent school years that you've really enjoyed seeing play out? Yeah, well, I would, I would say this is a, a big shift, actually, in education over the last few years. And I'm, and personally, I hope it continues to shift this way. When I first got into teaching, you know, a lot of teachers were using the model where, you know, I was kind of an island unto myself. So I would come in, I would be responsible for my classroom, I'd close the door, and kind of whatever happened inside my classroom was kind of my dominion or my domain. Um, but over the last few years, myself in particular, uh, at the school that I'm at, we've really kind of embraced uh, collaborative teaching uh, with with our colleagues. Um, so that, I mean, it started off easily enough with just the idea of planning together. Uh, so finding a colleague who uh, I, I connected with who taught the same grade and we would plan you know, a lesson together. And then we would implement it individually and then get a chance to talk about afterwards how that went. Um, ultimately, we recognized that that working together as educators actually made our jobs easier uh, because we had two people doing the same work. Uh, we also found that it allowed us to sort of activate different um, strengths in each other, which made the experiences for our students better. So in my particular instance right now, I'm actually involved in a, a situation where there are four of our grade seven, eight teachers that are all collaboratively teaching together. Um, and so although we have individual students on our own class rosters, uh, we meet regularly every day uh, to chat about how things are going. And really our students see themselves as being a group of about a hundred and so students with actually four educators. So it's not uncommon for, uh, for us to be able to sort of take students that need some additional support and uh, and give them that support that they need because we now have access to four teachers as opposed to one teacher who's trying to meet the needs of every single student in their classroom. Mm-hmm. What about what goes on in the classroom? Can you describe a recent project uh, that, that that you had your, your students work on and how would you like to see the students engaging in the classroom and with the classroom on a day-to-day basis? 
Absolutely. So in our particular model that we run, a lot of our um, key learning happens around large current world events. Uh, so we've kind of moved at times away from the you know teaching in silos. I'm actually part of a project down here in Thames Valley um, known as School Within a School, uh, where we look to sort of remove some of those silos of traditional teaching. So rather than a traditional, now we're going to do a science school uh, class. Now this is going to be a geography class. We try to engage the students in large, relevant topics. Um, so, for example, one that we did earlier this year, we were you know, um, looking at the, the problem in our society with uh, uh, single-use plastics and throwaway plastics. And so the students were involved in, uh, in learning about uh, the impacts that plastics are having on the environment, on their classrooms, on their health. Uh, and then from there, they were tasked with the idea about, well, now that you have this information, what are you going to do about it? And so we had students, uh, you know, designing everything from, uh, you know, um, prototypes to be able to get uh, single-use plastics out of the local waterways. We had students who were designing advertising campaigns to go to, to local breweries to create um, biodegradable six-pack rings as opposed to those plastic ones that are thrown away. Uh, we had students who organized marker recycling programs in our own school to ensure that we're not contributing to the plastics problem ourselves. And through the project, the students recognized that they had to activate learning from all areas. They had to activate their mathematical knowledge. They had to be able to activate their abilities to use language. And they had to learn about language as they communicated and contacted people outside of the school. Or they, or they had meetings with the principal to decide about marker recycling programs or water bottle filling stations at our school. And they really had to recognize that that their learning doesn't take place in isolation and that ultimately these things that they're going to have to be responsible for solving are meaningful and they're going to involve knowing lots of different information from lots of different areas. So, um, you know, when when we look at large projects like that, that's sort of the direction that we're looking at moving in order to sort of help the students see that, number one, their learning is valuable and meaningful. Uh, we're not just pulling a project or an idea out of a textbook somewhere. Uh, we're actually asking them to consider events and circumstances that really impact and surround them personally. And then we're giving them the flexibility and the freedom to use their own skills and knowledge, um, as well as the support from those around them to sort of come up with meaningful ways that they can contribute. Mm. Do you do anything, or what is the, what is the importance of the physical design of of the the classroom? Is there anything that you do in particular? In my particular classroom, I've, I've arranged it such that there's options for the students as far as seating. So um, I do have situations where I have pods of students together into larger groups of so five and six students if they choose that that's where they would like to sit. I've got sit, I've got seating options for students if they want to sit just with a partner. And I also have opportunities for those students in those times when they want to work independently, uh, where they can sit and work independently because some students ultimately that's there are times when they're going to need that sort of focus in order to be able to produce their best work. Uh, and then also in my classroom, we've moved an awful lot, um, you know, away from uh, sitting in one spot for too long. So uh, we do like to get up. We do like to move around. Um, you know, uh, I, I have a lot of opportunities in my classroom where I'll call the students to different areas um, and really try to make an effort to defront the classroom as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Was this the design, the, the design that you have today, was that what you started with or was it something that you had to learn over time and evolve? 
Uh, absolutely, we didn't start with this. And I think I told you, I started off like every other teacher, sort of teaching the way that I had been taught, which mm-hmm. was a teacher-directed lessons followed by students. And um, But, you know, once we decided to move more towards this, it wasn't an overnight um, transition uh, because I told you it's a bit scary as teachers to sort of try something that's outside what you used to because ultimately you feel like you're responsible for uh, the entire year of the students under your care and you really don't want to mess that up so uh, no we didn't we didn't jump right into this model it was sort of baby steps um, with the idea of starting off with collaboration with one other colleague um, looking then to move to sort of being a more responsive teacher and looking at what's happening in the world, tapping into what you know about your students and their own interests to sort of develop engaging, um, you know, activities, engaging projects, engaging uh, inquiries that are going to sort of tap into what they want to do. And then from there, it sort of just evolved into, uh, into where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. How did you measure, especially in the first year, how did you measure, how did you determine if the decision that you're making was correct? I'm sure it was a very uh, big decision, of course, and you had a lot of riding on it. How did you know if you had made the right decision or not? Yeah, and again, that's that's the key part, right, is those metrics, being able to sort of judge effectiveness. How do you do that? So uh, in the past, we've always sort of judged effectiveness by, you know, test scores. So on a written paper, pencil test, um, yeah, we, we're still doing that. We're still evaluating the success of our students, uh, you know, based on the curriculum that we're teaching and we're evaluating on. But most importantly, I think that where we knew we were on the right track was engagement. Uh, we knew we were on the right track because the students were engaged in their learning in a way that we hadn't seen before. Um, you know, when when we were doing a project, uh, you know, uh, when we first started this, we had we asked the students to make, you know, the fidget spinner better. That's when the fidget spinner craze was all was, uh, you know, the big hot thing in schools. And we just simply said to the students, like, make the fidget spinner better. And I knew we had something at that point. I knew that we were on the right track Mm -hmm. when the recess bell rang and we had students who didn't want to go outside. Mm -hmm. And these were students who traditionally, when the bell rang, would have been the first ones out the door and the last ones back. These were students that actually asked us to stay inside. They didn't want to stop their learning. They didn't want to stop their building. They didn't want to stop their constructing. And so it was at that moment, I think, that we really knew that we had hit on something. Um, where if we could get students to be engaged and wanting to learn, wanting to be at school, wanting to do these things, I think that was sort of the time that we knew that we had hit on something uh, and that I think we were on the right track. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little about the tools or products that you use to assist in the classroom and how they're being used? Um, You know, I give, we have products like, uh, uh, like the wipe charts that we use in the classroom for the non-permanent vertical surfaces for, for students who are working in math. Uh, to sort of give them a larger space where they're able to sort of show their math and their thinking in a way that they didn't before. So um, it's just really about not being afraid to sort of look for what other ways can students show what they know to allow each student to select the way that that meets their needs the best and allows them to best show their stuff. Mm. Now, what do you see as the, the future of classrooms? What do you see things moving towards in the next several years? Um, you know, that's, that's a hard one to, that's a hard one to judge because, um, you know, our world is constantly changing. I I know for sure the one area that I I see it not going is I see us not returning back to a straight memorization and regurgitation format that used to be popular when we were at school. 
whether people you know um, like it or not, uh, the Google age is upon us. And so being able to have students memorize and regurgitate information isn't really a, an effective use of their time when, when the information that they need is so readily available at their fingertips. I sort of see education moving more towards the idea about, um, you know, solving problems and being problem finders. Um, so moving away from those singular events to sort of have students recognize that, yeah, they can be problem solvers, but we also need problem finders. We need students to be able to look around at what's going on and recognize Hey, there's some efficiencies that can be made here, or this isn't something that I'm happy with, and then have those skills to be able to do something about it. So uh, I see us moving again more towards a collaborative learning environment, um, hopefully a spot where school becomes less competitive and more seen as a situation where uh, we work together and help each other to learn and we benefit when everybody learns. Because I, I wish I had a crystal ball, I'd be able to make a whole lot of money and sort of see the next big thing that's coming down the pipe. But uh, I don't know whether or not, uh, you know, um, what, what education is going to bring. But I do know that those people that are most able to be flexible and adaptive are those people that are going to be able to consistently meet the needs of their students? And are those students that are going to be able to meet whatever demands the world is going to put on them? Amazing. Well, you're certainly at the head of the pack. So thank you so much for your time, Jeff, and coming on and sharing your experience. No problem, Felix. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the White Book Podcast, the podcast for educators that are transforming their classrooms powered by White Book. Visit whitebook.com to learn more.